Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries. And I'm Eddie Quinones. And welcome back, everybody. All right. So let's hop right into it. This week, we're going to start with our biggest upsets this upcoming week. Um, there was there was definitely a matchup this week. It was a little surprising. Uh, it was a big upset. I think the thing that surprised me the most was the actual the final score of that matchup. Um, and I'll kind of dive deep a little bit into that. But who, who do you have for your biggest upset this week, Nate? I think it's the pick that you probably have and that everybody would agree with. It's JC versus Nick. Yeah. Uh, this was a huge win for JC. He jumped up to third place with the potential to actually pass Nick for second place if Nick takes a loss versus Scott in this upcoming week. But not only did JC win this weekend's matchup versus Nick, but he kind of bamboozled Nick by sending him Justin Jackson and Trey Burton for Christian Kirk earlier in the week. And that didn't really work out for Nick because Justin Jackson and Trey Burton combined for 1.6 points. and Both were in Nick's lineup on Sunday. Of course, Justin Jackson got hurt at the very beginning of the game. And so he put up a zero and Burton didn't have a good game himself against the Ravens, only catching one pass for six yards. While Christian Kirk and JC's lineup dropped 23.3 points. So kind of a tale of two sides of the trade there. JC is going to look to keep it rolling here against Lucas's two and seven team this week and get to a seven and three record uh, again by the end of week 10, hopefully in his mind, passing Nick for that two seed. Did you have the same? Do you have something different? Yeah, I did have the same there. I think uh, kind of looking over the matchup itself again, you brought up those points of Justin Jackson having zero points. Obviously he got hurt, but there's two other running backs on that lineup that he needs to perform that are not doing anything right now. It's Ezekiel Elliott with 8.9. He's been on the decline, and I know you have him in a segment later on. We'll kind of go into a little more detail there. And then Derrick Henry, 6.8 points. I mean, with your your two big running backs, those two names, you know, they couldn't even get you over 15 points this past week combined. So I think that's, that's, a, that's a big hurt. And then on JC's team, Dalvin Cook has been absolutely destroying 39 points this week, and then Keenan Allen with his 25, so – definitely a definitely a big upset this week yeah I don't think we can understate how much Dalvin Cook has just absolutely carried JC's team not that JC has a bad team by any means but dropping roughly 40 points in back-to-back weeks is just unheard of by a running back so we'll you know we'll see how he keeps it rolling moving forward most shocking outcome uh Uh, you want to go ahead yeah yeah uh I actually had two here um I had that first matchup there, uh, and I think the most shocking part was the point differential. JC won by 40 points there. I don't think anybody saw him winning by that much in that matchup. Um, And then the next matchup I have is my matchup against Sean. I expected it to be a little closer than what it ended up turning out to. Um, I ended up winning by around 37 points total. So those are are kind of my two most shocking outcomes, mostly because I expected both of those matchups to be extremely close, and they actually ended up being complete opposites. So, yeah, and I'm glad that you went that way with your most shocking outcomes because I took a different direction. Mm -hmm. I have for my most shocking outcome, Mike versus Scott. And the reason why I thought it deserved to be mentioned here is basically with a season virtually on the line, I'm talking about Mike's team, who was, as we know, three and five heading into this matchup. Yeah. And with it shaking out and the, the final outcome being as close as it was, I thought, how can we not talk about it? 
So starting with Jordan Reed putting up a very weak performance on Thursday night football for Scott's team, Mike looked to have a chance to upset Scott heading into the weekend. And he, he actually did keep it close all the way up until Monday night football. And he needed pretty good games from Drew Brees and Rob Gronkowski to secure the win and also keep his playoff hopes pretty optimistic. And while Drew Brees held up his end of the bargain, the entire Tampa Bay offense crushed any chance of a good game from Rob Gronkowski. So that was kind of a heartbreaker for Mike. I don't want to be that guy that points it out because I'm sure Michael has looked at it probably 10 times now. But if he somehow made the call when setting his lineup of starting Jonu Smith over Rob Gronkowski, he actually would have won the matchup. So pretty crazy ending for the matchup to be that close and Scott to still grind out the win and kind of make the rest of the season and his playoff hopes look a little gloomy for Mike's team. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's a tough spot to be for Mark right there, you know, with Gronk having pretty good performances for the past few weeks and then Jonu Smith actually having some underwhelming performances. So in like in the grand scheme of thing, you kind of look at the past three weeks performance wise, you know, you think, you know, Jonu Smith is due for a good game, but Gronk has been consistent for the past three weeks. So it's just a tough call to make between those two. And it's tough that it came down to that. So Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate for him. Yeah. And I actually have an honorable mention here. Mm-hmm. I have me versus Kyron, and it's not because the outcome was different than everybody expected, but it's because he actually kind of made me a little bit nervous <laughs> going into Monday Night Football. I thought, like, I don't really think Damian Harris is going to score 21 points, but it's but not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. So he made me a little bit nervous. That kind of shocked me, so I figured I'd throw it in as an honorable mention. Yeah, that was a matchup that I was hoping – was a little closer. I hope Damian Harris, because he had dropped 19 the week before. So I was like, you know, he has a chance to try to do something here. But especially against that Jets team, the Jets defense is just horrible. But you he was, he was, he was kind of busting off some big runs at the yeah. end of the game. Yeah. And then with about two minutes left in the, left to go, he didn't get up from one of his runs. He got hurt. And yeah. I just – this probably makes me Sigh a bad person. But I, but I couldn't help – but crack a smile when I saw him <laughs> laying there on the field. It's probably bad, but I was just relieved just for it a to sigh be over. Of relief, yeah. yeah. So that losing takes to, us losing to one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. That takes us a, to a new place in our standings that we haven't yet seen. And I'm not necessarily excited because of who got knocked down, but just to see a shakeup in the top of the standings, we do have a new top three. One is Scott, the helmet in the bush, with a 7-2 and two record. He moved into first place um, because him and Nick have not played each other yet, and so that second tiebreaker is total points for Scott having the most in the entire league. So he is in first place with a 7-2 and two record. Nick, the fantasy football team, right behind him, it's in second place with the same record, 7-2. and two. And then JC with a big win versus Nick, who was the first place team before this week. And pushing himself up to six and three and capturing the number three seed in the standing. So a little bit of a shakeup at the up at the top. And first place is not out of reach for JC, certainly, with it could go either way this week with Scott or Nick yeah. losing. And, and JC's right there in the mix with them. So I'm excited again just to see how our league year finishes in the regular season because the standings that we see now. Nobody is safe to finish exactly where yeah. they're at right now. So and I'm, I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna say this: that second place buy, I think that first place buy is a little more locked in than all the other ones. But that second place buy, just because of the matchup that's coming up this week with 
uh, Scott and Nick. And then I know I play uh, Nick later on. Um, I don't know what JC schedule looks like for the rest of the year, but you know, that second place by right there, there's a chance that even someone in, in tied for fourth place right now can make that jump up to second place, depending on things play out. So. Yeah, I haven't I haven't looked at too many people's schedules yeah. and I only know just in casual conversation with Nick that he mentioned that his schedule is tough to end the year. Yeah, so any team at the top could drop a couple losses. And like you said, a team not necessarily in the middle of the pack, but in that four through six seed right now. And even Damon, I think, is in the seven seed. Anybody could jump up and have a shot at least at that. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna by. be real here. JC probably has the easiest schedule left. He's got Lucas, Kyron, Scott, and then Keegan. Obviously, Scott is a tough game for him, but I mean, he should, he should go three and one. Four. Yeah, yeah, he should. So again, that opens up that that second place spot. You know, it's most likely going to come down to points for. It's what yeah. it's realistically going to come down to. But well, since we're already talking about it, let's get into our weekly matchup preview, and I'll go ahead and let you lead off with your yeah. best matchup this week. I think uh, this week, best matchup, I have uh, you versus Sean. I'm kind of eager for this matchup, um, not only because it gives a little breathing room to the rest of us tied there right there for fourth place, um, but it, I think just in general, it's going to be a good match. I think Sean has a couple question marks on his team that might hurt him carrying into this week, and, and, and we'll kind of see how, how those things go. But for me, the biggest two question marks he has on his team is Joe Mixon. Um, will he perform and produce enough to keep him kind of going. Um, and then also Big Ben, is he going to play? I know that there were some tests um, and some things came out that he he tested negative. So he, he'll he likely play this week. And then on your end, um, I think the biggest question mark for me on your offense is Chris Godwin. Um, I don't expect that Tampa offense to have such a, such a horrible game again this upcoming week. But with AB being on that offense and them having so many weapons, you know, and I don't know, we've had conversations about this, you know, is Godwin's production going to go down a little bit or is his production going to go up because some of those defenders are going to be a little bit more spread out around the field. So those are kind of the questions that I had going into this matchup. But so far, I think I have this as my best. How about you? I'm just going to, it's not, I didn't pick that one as my best matchup, but I did have it as an honorable mention. So I'm going to build off of that. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I'll say about Godwin is I think that we saw absolute rock bottom for Tampa Bay offensive mm-hmm. players this past week. I think that's that was very clear in, the, in yeah. that they didn't score a single touchdown. And Godwin was still able to put up seven points. So if that's absolute rock bottom where they don't even score a touchdown all game, that, even though it was a bad game, I'm not trying to paint it in any other way, I think that's an encouraging sign that if – on his worst day, he's still going to give me seven points. Then I think I'll be okay with yeah, Chris Godwin. That's just, you know, kind of how I feel about him moving forward. But that was one of my honorable mentions, me versus Sean. Gotcha, gotcha. The pick that I made for best matchup, probably an obvious one. It's Scott versus Nick. It's yeah. the number one seed versus the number two seed. And, and I, again, when I was thinking about the outcome with Scott versus Mike, how could I not pick it for – most shocking outcome. Well, how can you not pick this matchup for best mm-hmm. matchup with the top two teams in the league? They have a combined 14 wins and four losses this year, uh, but it should be an interesting matchup on account of both teams missing big time players due to buys and injuries. Mahomes, Zeke, and Kittle on Nick's side are missing. You know, obviously Kittle's out for the year, uh, out for the fantasy season. Mahomes and Zeke on buy, 
And then Julio Jones and Miles Gaskin on Scott's side with Julio being out on a week 10 by Miles Gaskin being out on injured reserve. I think that while Scott has a slight edge in points scored, giving him the number one seed as of right now, that this matchup will bring closure to which team is the best in the league, at least for right now. So I'm excited to watch what transpires this weekend in this matchup between Scott and Nick. And I did have one more honorable mention and it's Jake versus Mike. I'm not going to comment too much on that because I'm going to get right back to that here shortly. Yeah, yeah. So worst uh, matchup. Or did you have anything to add? No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Okay. Worst matchup. This one's very obvious to me. It's, it's you versus Keegan. Yeah. There are a lot of options this week. Uh, but I have to go with the team averaging 171.4 points over the last three weeks versus the team averaging only 101.9 points in each of the last three weeks. That's like a 70-point spread. Yeah. The only hope Keegan has is Eddie being really hurt by the absence of Tyreek Hill, who, by the way, is wide receiver one overall in fantasy right now. Yes, he is. And getting a huge game out of Tyler Lockett. Those are kind of the only two ways that I see Keegan really making a dent, a dent in the gap of what the expected outcome is going to be is Tyree kill being missed. Tyler Lockett having an absolute historic game for a wide receiver. But in any scenario, I see no way that you lose. Whereas I can at least see a remote chance of an upset in each of my two honorable mentions, which are Damon versus Kyron and JC versus Lucas. Yeah. I completely agree there. I mean, I don't really have anything else to add. I just think it's a one-sided um, affair there. All right. So moving on to most important matchup, I'll let you kick us off with who you chose for most important matchup this week. I think most important matchup this week, I have uh, Nick and Scott this upcoming week. You know, not only does it it push someone to kind of take a hold of that, that first place again, um, but it gives a second place tie to anyone um, – kind of in that second place obviously that's assuming jc wins his matchup um which is i think highly likely obviously but you know you never know so i think it just kind of moves those standings and kind of how i explained earlier it it frees up that second place spot for anyone underneath there to kind of try to come up and take that spot um so but yeah that's who i have listed as my most important matchup yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that, but I actually went with Jake versus Mike as my most important matchup. So my question coming into this is, will Jake be able to overcome a potential Christian McCaffrey absence yet again to knock Mike officially out of playoff contention and legitimize his run at a six seed before the regular season ends? Or will Mike pull off the upset and balance the scales to bring both he and Jake to a record of four and six making it a really murky road to a sixth and final playoff spot for not just his team, but for Jake's team as well. This is the matchup that I'm going to be most closely watching this weekend as one team will get officially eliminated or two teams will have a near impossible road to the playoffs based on the outcome. And I'll be honest with you, choosing best matchup and most important matchup were pretty tough this week because we have four, three or four really, really good matchups. Um, and so I was trying to make sense of where to put them. So I I chose Scott and Nick, of course, as my best matchup. I chose Jake and Mike as my most important matchup. 
I felt like you could have swapped either one of those. And I also included myself versus Sean as an honorable mention in both because I felt like you could have built that to be the best matchup or most important matchup too. So a lot of good matchups for week 10. Looking forward to what happens this weekend. Anything to add before we move on to our favorite set favorites portion of the podcast? Yeah, uh, nothing really. Again, just the fact that there are a lot of matchups this week and there was really a toss up between best matchup and most important matchup. Uh, I just kind of, for me, it was kind of like a flip of a coin for both realistically. So, yeah. All right. Well, called it our favorite portion of the podcast, but really pretty quiet this week on the trade market. There's definitely, you know, more than just a couple trades, but I don't think anything earth shattering. So let's get into some trade talk give you the recent trades that happened since last week's episode and I'll get your gut reaction as well as add in my own <laughs> kicking off the week was me giving Dexter Williams running back for the Green Bay Packers and getting from Keegan Daniel Carlson the kicker for the Las Vegas Raiders thoughts I think uh smart move by you realizing that Aaron Jones is coming back and Dexter Williams really wasn't going to see the field too much um and picking yourself up a kicker. Uh, those were kind of my general thoughts. Nothing really swaying one way or another. I obviously think you won that trade. Um, not like by a huge margin, but it was just a smart move. Yeah, and I want to clarify that I texted Keegan on Thursday morning and said, hey, I'm not going to use this guy Dexter Williams in my lineup this week. Maybe you could use him. Just let me know if you want him. He texted me back, who would you want for him? And I said something like, uh, you know, guys like Emmanuel Sanders, Raheem Mostert, who's on IR, or even your kicker. I'd be interested in any one of those guys. He goes, all right, well, you can have my kicker. I said, okay, I'll send it. We accepted, right? And then about an hour or so later, I was looking to see when I think a trade of mine with Kyron processed. And then I saw trade with Keegan doesn't process until Tuesday at 3 a.m. And I said, oh, no. So I texted Keegan right away. I said, hey, man, on it, completely honest mistake. This trade won't process until after this week, and you won't actually get to use Dexter Williams when he's projected to be a bigger part of the running back, which at that point of the day he was because it was unknown that Aaron yeah, Jones was... would actually play. I said to Keegan, I don't have any problem putting this back through, like reversing this trade. Um, I'll send it back right away as soon as I get him. And Keegan goes, honestly, I'd rather just go pick up a different kicker on the waiver wire. And I said to him like three or four times, I was like, are you sure? Like I have zero issue sending this back. And he said, he just kept reassuring me like, yeah, I'd honestly rather just go add a different kicker. So, you know, it's a kicker and a backup running back. What are you going to do? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's not anything crazy. Yeah. Moving on to the next one. Sean gives up Devonte Parker wide receiver for the Miami dolphins. Mike gives up Devin Singletary running back for the Buffalo bills. I'll go ahead and say, I think this was pretty even. I would prefer Devontae Parker if I was using a flex player over Devin Singletary, but it's not like a huge margin or anything like that. It's just my initial thoughts. I agree. I think uh, Singletary has been on a little bit of a decline, uh, but again, Devontae Parker isn't doing anything crazy himself either, so it's just kind of iffy you know Parker has had a 16 point game a 21 point game um and then a 12 point game in week nine but either way it's just for me it's a wash yeah next one we have 
I gave up Gardner Minshew the second and Zach Moss. Kyron gave up Matthew Stafford. Go ahead and let me know what you think about that. To add some additional context to that trade, those players were Gardner Minshew and Zach Moss were traded between you and Kyron the week before. For me, obviously, it's a win for you in this trade in, in the sense of giving up Gardner Minshew, who was literally uh, placed like he wasn't going to play the upcoming week about an hour after you put this trade through or something like that. It was pretty close to it. And obviously, Zach Moss is a pretty good running back for the Bills. He's not bad at all. Um, but pulling in Matthew Stafford, who's a little more consistent, at least for the time being, with Gardner Minshew being a question mark. Um, I think this is a good trade for you. I'm confused as to why Kyron gave up Gardner Minshew then pulled him back for Zach Moss. To me, that didn't make a lot of sense on his end. But those are just kind of my quick thoughts about it. Yeah, I so basically what happened was after I made the trade for Gardner Minshew and Zach Moss, which we discussed briefly in last week's episode, I slept on it and then thought the next day, man, I probably should have asked for Matt Stafford instead. So I texted Kyron, who during our negotiation for our initial trade, he did not want to give me Zach Moss. He was really trying to avoid giving Zach Moss up in that deal. So I went back to him the next day and I said, hey, you can have Zach Moss back if you swap me quarterbacks and give me Stafford and you take Minshew back and he was on board with it. So I didn't ask any questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't, wasn't like he was in a really bad spot. It wasn't like he was going to be in a really bad spot anyways, honestly. Um, for the most part, I think everyone projected him to lose anyways, but still. Yeah. So our next deal, which we have already brought up on the episode, but Go over it again. Nick gave up Christian Kirk. JC gave up Justin Jackson and Trey Burton. This was a clear win for JC this past week. And as time moves forward and Justin Jackson's value slowly declines as Austin Eckler gets closer to returning to the LA Chargers, I think that it's just going to continue to favor JC. So... I'm going to give the win to JC here, but I do understand why Nick made the trade, not having a tight end to play this past week with Goddard being out on by the timing of the Hooper trade just didn't work out. Plus he was on by anyway. So he just really needed a tight end this past week. So I understand it on Nick's side, but I think JC was the beneficiary of this deal. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. Um, I'll go into a little bit more detail on our next segment, but just, Quickly saying, looking over, I think JC wins this trade all the way. Um, I understand where you're, where Nick was coming from, um, but to me, because it's so close to Austin Eckler coming back, the Justin Jackson portion of this, I understand it, but to me it was a little confusing. I understand he probably was going to use Justin Jackson after he used him, flip him, do something. I think it just was really unfortunate that Justin Jackson got hurt, and that's obviously something you can't really predict. So, Yeah. So Nick made another trade after this, which was giving up Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, who Kyron dropped a little couple days before this, <laughs> for Jarvis Landry, who Kyron gave up in this deal. Now, I'll say despite Kyron dropping Ertz a few days earlier and then trading for him after Nick picked him up, I did think that this was a very even deal, so I had no issue with it. The thing that confused me a little bit, not a little bit, flat out confused me a lot, was Kyron dropped Gardner Minshew 
in this trade. So I have no idea what Kyron's doing, nor does he explain himself in the group, which I guess he doesn't necessarily have to. But I'd really just like to pick his brain a little bit, see what the thought process is behind all of these drops. What is your thoughts on the trade first, and then you can expand on his I think dropping players? The trade makes sense. Again, what you pointed out doesn't make sense. Um, I think the fact of dropping Zach Ertz earlier and then be willing to trade for him later, like to me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. You could have just kept him on your team and left him on your IR. And then dropping Gardner Minshew, which I get it since he's going to be hurt. I don't know how long he'll be hurt for, and we don't even know because there was reports coming out that he might not even start when he comes back. Um, like I get the idea, but you could have at least thrown him on your IR until that comes out and then dropped him at the point in time. Cause you don't really, he doesn't really have anybody else on his team. That's, that's going to be eating that IR spot. So, right. And that's what happened originally with Ertz. He could have, he, I think he brought him off IR to drop him. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really get that, but. I know Car- Kyron doesn't have any bad intent, so yeah, not going to yeah. lay into him or anything. So getting into our second to last trade of the week, probably I would call it our biggest one of the week. Nick gave up A.J. Brown, and Jake gave up Allen Robinson the second. What are your thoughts on that? I think – I mean, I th- Allen Robinson has been doing really well this year. Um AJ Brown, not so much. Um, recently, he's he's kind of picked it up a little bit. Um, but either way, I mean, the games that AJ Brown has been in, he's dropped over twenty points for most of them, except for two. Um, and then Allen Robinson has just been completely. He's been doing really well so far this year. So, I mean, realistically, I think that Nick wins on the Allen Robinson side of this, personally for myself. Um, but it's really close to a wash for me. I take the opposite stance on that. Uh, I fully understand why Nick made this move because AJ Brown has been dealing with a bone bruise pretty much all season and misses practices every single week, despite playing in the actual game days. So I understand getting a receiver that's pretty much of equal caliber for AJ Brown to kind of reduce the risk that he has there from A.J. Brown's injury history. But I prefer A.J. Brown to Allen Robinson straight up. He's averaging 18.8 points per game this year. Um, So he's probably truly like a top 10 to 12 wide receiver. And Allen Robinson is that as well, but he's done it in like three more games than A.J. Brown has played. So... um. I'm going to I'm actually going to circle back to this in a minute so I'm not going to comment too much more on it. We'll actually just get into this last trade of the week which was made last night. Jake gave up Washington football team's defense and Philadelphia Eagles defense. Damon gave up Kansas City Chiefs defense and Los Angeles Rams defense. Your quick thoughts. Pointless to me, but that was just kind of my quick thought like I understand the move. Kinda, but but defense is defenses. Yeah, I didn't really understand this. I think I didn't really even dig into their schedules too much. But on the face, both Kansas City and LA's defenses are better than Washington and Phillies. Maybe Damon was looking at the matchup versus the other NFC East teams here. 
Yeah. But I thought it was just another case of Damon wanting to trade with Jake. And funny enough, while Damon thinks that he's just having a little laugh by trading with somebody on his exclusive list, I think that Jake, at least this season, has kind of gotten the better of Damon in their trades. But yeah, and I completely agree. Like, I get where Damon's coming from because the Giants play Washington next week. Um, and I know he's looking at the NFC East matchups, but over the long run, like you just said, Rams and Kansas City defenses are just a lot better. Yeah, and I'm going to take us <coughs> to the trade of the week segment because I did say I'd get back to this. So my trade of the week was Nick giving up A.J. Brown and Jake giving up Allen Robinson the second. So my thought process behind this, Jake is now four and five, which basically meant that he needed to win three. He needs to win three of his last four matchups in order to have a winning record and have pretty strong chance at a six playoff spot. Now, two of his matchups counting this past week are pretty light, including Keegan and Kyron. Uh, but his other three matchups are against Mike, Nick, and you, which are three pretty tough teams. Or mm-hmm. Nick and Nick and you are tough teams. Mike is a team that's going to give anybody a run for its money on a weekly basis. So yeah, not an easy matchup. But not only did he legitimize his chances against Nick, uh, but he actually swung the pendulum in his favor because. He plays he plays Nick in week eleven when Allen Robinson is on bye, whereas AJ Brown had already had his bye back in week four. Yep. So I think that Jake, when both are healthy, got the better wide receiver. And he unloaded Allen Robinson onto Nick. So he kind of took that weapon away from Nick when they're going to be playing each other head to head in week eleven. If all that wasn't enough, again, I think there's an argument to be made that A.J. Brown is the better wide receiver if he can stay healthy, and that's the big question. If A.J. Brown can stay healthy, I think this was a beautifully timed trade that Jake made. And I'll give you my honorable mention because I think it's the trade that you're going to pick as trade of the week. It's J.C. giving up Justin Jackson and Trey Burton and getting Christian Kirk from Nick. Yeah, and that you got it exactly right. Um, you know, this is trade of the week more so on J.C.'s side than Nick's side, obviously, but you know, kind of diving into the numbers. One side of the trade totaled oh, 1.9 points. The other side of the trade totaled 23.3 points, you know, on a two-for-one deal. And from the future carrying on, Justin Jackson with Austin Eckler coming back is diminishing slowly. Trey Burton, I don't know. He's really – he's not – I don't think he's going to play it on using Trey Burton on a weekly basis. So right there, he's already losing out on that. Um, you know, he could prove us wrong and start Trey Burton. But I think once his once his tight ends come back from a bye, I can't really see him using Trey Burton too much. Um, as to where Christian Kirk on that side can be a solid flex option for the rest of the year, depending on matchups. So, yeah, I think JC won that trade by far. Moving on to a segment that we've done once before, and I liked it, so I brought it back, called Risers and Fallers. Kind of builds off of our trade talk, talking about players that have seen their trade value rise or fall over the past few weeks based on their production. 
So starting with our risers, my QB riser is Drew Brees, who ironically on the last segment that I did with risers and fallers, I chose as my QB faller. But the reason why I chose him as my riser this time around, uh, first he's thir- he's QB 13 through nine weeks while already having had his buy. So not, you know, a sexy power ranking, but I should note that there are three quarterbacks that are slightly ranked above him. Um, meaning within one game's reach, you know, at least to my interpretation, who have yet to have their buys, which are Teddy Bridgewater, Matt Ryan, and Tom Brady. So I think when those three have their buys and Drew Brees gets that extra game that he hasn't on them, that he'll kind of move up into that firm top 10 power ranking. He's averaging 19.4 points per game and backing that up with pretty solid consistency in which five of his eight games have seen him produce over 19.5 points. And again, that's hitting the over on his average, which is 19.4 per game. While the other three games that he hasn't hit that have resulted in no fewer than 14 points in each game. And again, just to recap, Mike got him in an under-the-radar deal alongside Tyler Boyd, where he gave up Baker Mayfield and DK Metcalf. So I think evaluating that trade in retrospect, just in a vacuum, not considering what else was done with those players, I'm talking about Tyler Boyd and DK Metcalf, of course, I think that that was actually a pretty good trade for Mike, looking back on it, getting rid of Baker and DK and getting Tyler Boyd and Drew Brees. you have anything to add there? I completely agree, and I think Drew Brees' stock, I think, is just going to continue to go up, especially with Michael Thomas finally being back on that offense. It gives him a little, a few more weapons. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's a good riser right there for Drew Brees. He's been having himself some pretty, some pretty good weeks. My next riser, this one's pretty obvious, but most of the candidates were pretty obvious, so I felt like I could make this pick here. It's James Robinson who is running back four on the year. Now his value is obvious, like I said, but I don't think he has quite been given the recognition that he deserves. So I want to make a disclaimer here. There's pretty much zero chance that I trade him. So this isn't me marketing him in any way, but I just want to give him some recognition because I feel like he hasn't gotten the respect that he deserves this year. This year he's averaged 20 touches for 100 scrimmage yards and a touchdown in each game. Now, we've talked about this before, but I think that's the golden standard for an NFL running back. 20 touches in an offense, 100 yards each game, and a touchdown in each game. He's averaging that, and that's the golden standard, in my opinion, for an NFL running back. And there's nobody threatening his role in Jacksonville. And you might have thought, okay, well, Minshew is out, so maybe James Robinson's value would go down because they wouldn't have as stable of a fantasy producer at quarterback. Well, Jake Luton looked pretty good for the offense this past week, and he might be just as good, if not better, than Minshew is for Jacksonville. So for me, I value James Robinson firmly as a top-five running back on a weekly basis rest of season. I don't know if you have any thoughts to add, maybe disagree. Go ahead. It's kind of crazy because I was looking at James Robinson and it was one of those surprise things. You know, I was looking at the top running backs in the league, just out of curiosity. Um, and I kind of looked and I was like, I was like, who is this? And as I dove a little bit more into it, I'm like, I'm like, wow, he's, he has been having himself a really good year and a consistent year. I wish I could disagree, but the numbers speak for themselves here. There's really nothing to disagree with on that point. 
Yeah, and this again, this is a super obvious pick, but I you just have to give a shout out. My honorable mention for running back riser is Dalvin Cook, who's running back two on the year. With the absolutely bananas performances he's given over his past two games, there's you just have to give him recognition that he, whatever value he had before, it's higher now. I don't care what his value was before, whether he was a top five fantasy asset, it's higher now than it was two weeks ago. So he is definitely a riser as well. My riser at the wide receiver position is a teammate of Dalvin Cook on JC's roster, it's Keenan Allen, who is wide receiver seven on the year. So despite two disappointing games in which he caught only two and four passes in those games, Keenan Allen has been absolute money this season, averaging 21.8 points per game in his other six games, four of which he scored over 21.5 points in. Now, this production has been backed up by an average stat line of nine receptions on 13 targets for 98 yards and a touchdown across each of those six games. And it's become very clear in the Justin Herbert era that Keenan Allen's value has been catapulted to true wide receiver one status and arguably, for me, a top five wide receiver for the rest of the season. Now, he was on your team, so I'm going to give you a little bit of shine time to talk about Keenan Allen. Tell me if you think that's a legit statement or if you value him a little bit lower than that top five range. I I think it's a legit statement. I mean, listen, Justin Herbert's been playing some really good ball and that helps Keenan Allen solidify kind of his spot. Um, you know, I did move him, but I felt like I moved him because I needed to fill another spot on my team where I thought I was pretty good at. You know, I have Brandon Cooks, Tyreek Hill. Uh, Cooper Cup, like I have some solid wide receivers, so I felt like I was able to let go of Keenan Allen, but it was something that I wasn't completely comfortable with just because I knew that Keenan Allen's stock was going to continue to rise, especially on that offense with Herbert just playing so well this year. Um, But yeah, I'm a big fan of Keenan and I'm happy he's doing really well for JC. And I think for JC and I's trade that we made, I think it's working out really well for both of us. So yeah, and I don't blame you for making that move. This yeah. is certainly in no way, you know, a pitch to make you feel bad about the trade. Oh, that you no, made. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just Keenan Allen has just been so dominant week mm-hmm. after week. So I definitely wanted to give him some shine time. JC's team is on the rise, you know, as, as you can tell with our riser segment here. Yeah. But on the flip side, getting to our fallers, we actually have another player from JC's roster. It is Jared Goff at the quarterback position for our fallers. So Jared Goff is quarterback 18. And this was a guy that I viewed as having high upside coming into the season, but whom I had a lot of questions about. So I wasn't, obviously I didn't end up getting to draft him. Um, and there was a certain point in the draft where I would have been ecstatic to get him based on that, uh, that upside that I perceived was there for him based on the offense that he's in. But it wasn't, you know, a slam dunk pick or anything. And I think we're kind of starting to see based on the way the year is shaking out for him, why I and I'm sure other people had questions about what kind of player he was going to be this year. So he ended up getting off to a strong start, um, but he's coming out of his bye fresh off of three games straight in which he's failed to reach 17 points. Two of those games, he's actually failed to reach even the 15-point mark in. Digging into his stat line a little bit, it seems that Jared Goff has only actually had one truly good passing performance 
And that was when he threw for three touchdowns and zero interceptions against the Eagles in week two. So a little while ago and his, in his other two big performances, it actually appears that Jared Goff benefited from some irregular goal line rushing touchdowns. He had one in each. And the reason why I could pick that out is because he had like less than 10 rushing yards in each of those two games, but still had a rushing touchdown. So obviously those two touchdowns, one in each of those two big games that he had boosted his final stat line. Now, even though he's falling for me, I still believe that he has the weapons on offense to bounce back with the receiving core that he has with, you know, Cooper cup, Robert Woods, even Josh Reynolds, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett. So we'll see what he makes of the second half of the season, but definitely a quarterback that I am looking at right now and thinking, I don't really have any interest in adding that guy to my team. Whereas I did, you know, a few weeks ago, looking at him, anything to add on Jared Goff? Uh, I think you, you explained it pretty well. I mean, again, it's, it's hard to argue with numbers realistically, and it's hard to call anything against that. You know, the only thing we have is kind of hope for him to pick it up a little bit towards the end of the year, but he's just had a really lackluster year so far. Yeah. So again, a tale of, uh, you know, flipping narrative here. My running back faller is Ronald Jones, the second who is running back 13 still on the season, but he was my running back riser the last time we did this segment because he had a three-game stretch in which he averaged 125 scrimmage yards, four receptions, and a touchdown in each game, leading to a 20.1 fantasy points per game average. But, you know, as the saying goes, as quickly as they rise, they fall. And since then, he's averaged only 33 scrimmage yards, and three receptions in each game, no touchdowns, leading to a 7.3 point per game average. And to be honest with you, I don't really think that we're going to see Ronald Jones rise to prominence, you know, in the, in the fantasy world again on a consistent basis this season with Leonard Fournette looking like he's taken over the larger share of the backfield workload in Tampa Bay. And that's not to mention the wide range of passing options that they have in their offense with Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. We've even seen Scotty Miller put up some big games this year. So I don't think that we're going to see Ronald Jones be reliable consistently again this season. Anything to add? Yeah. And to kind of piggyback on the Leonard Fournette portion, you know, I'm not going to say that I knew Leonard Fournette was going to take over this job and run with it, but you know, I, I kind of had a feeling I wasn't very high on Ronald Jones, even to begin with, even though he was putting up some decent numbers. It's just there's no way you have Leonard Fournette in your backfield and he doesn't eventually take the reins or take the majority, um, even if Ronald Jones was having some pretty good games. Um, but again, I think Ronald Jones is is in a tough spot right now because it's not like they could use one or the other. Cause Leonard Fournette has proven that he can catch the ball out of the backfield, but he can also run downhill left, right up, down, you know what I'm saying? Like he can run the ball. Um, so it's kind of hard to incorporate those two in one offense, especially with all those weapons that they have. So. Yeah, I agreed. I did want to, we, we briefly mentioned it earlier and I don't want to do a crazy deep dive because I don't want to artificially tear down the value of this player, but I think it's worth mentioning. And that's why I included him as an honorable mention for my running back faller it's Ezekiel Elliott, who is still running back five on the season. But I think it's fair to say that without Dak Prescott, 
in the next best option in Dallas being Andy Dalton leading the offense at the quarterback position, that Zeke's value is just not going to be the same rest of season as it was when Dak was still healthy quarterbacking for the Dallas Cowboys. I still think Zeke is talented enough to produce on a weekly basis, but I think it's going to be more at like a top 12 running back, you know, type of value on a weekly basis rather than that consensus top three to five that we are used to associating with Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Yeah. I would consider Zeke more of like a low end running back too, or like a high end flex play moving forward more so than a consistent workhorse running back. Yeah, and that's kind of crazy to mention just because, you know, we're, we're talking about Zeke here. Right. Um, and, I mean, his numbers in the past four weeks just show it. He scored 12, 6, 8.3, 8.9. Like, those are not numbers that you normally see Zeke scoring. He went from averaging a little over 20 points a game in the beginning of the season to averaging barely 10 points um, over the past four games. So, it's his production has been cut in half, and it's been really rough for him. So getting into our wide receiver fallers, I made my pick this week, Adam Thielen, who is wide receiver 14 on the year. After a hot start in which he scored at least 26 points in three of his first five games, Adam Thielen has been dreadful since the end of week five, failing to record even 26 total points across his last three games combined. Now, I think it's worth noting that his downfall is heavily correlated with the ludicrous breakout of teammate Dalvin Cook and the Vikings' usage of him in the game plan over the past three games. But specifically looking at his past two games, Thielen has only recorded five total receptions on nine total targets for 65 total yards and no touchdowns. Obviously, it's very disappointing to see him trending downward, but especially after considering that Team Odell's the number two wide receiver, Damon, made him his third-round draft pick this season. So not looking too great as of late for Adam Thielen. And I actually have an honorable mention for wide receiver fallers. It's Adam Thielen's teammate, both in real life and in fantasy in our league, Justin Jefferson, who is wide receiver 21 on the year. And it's pretty much for all the same reasons. Um, When one is eating, it seems that the other is also eating. And when neither are eating, uh, it's because Dalvin Cook's having a huge game and the Vikings are a very heavy run-first offense. So those two have been suffering lately and kind of seeing their stock fall based on how much Dalvin Cook is being used in that Minnesota game plan. Any closing thoughts on the risers and fallers, Eddie? Uh, None really. Again, it's hard to argue against stats. And sorry if it sounds like I'm agreeing with him a lot. But I mean, when you put out the numbers and you really look at it, it's kind of hard to argue the fact that some of those people are rising and some of them are falling. So. All right. Well, I've been doing, you know, a lot of talking here the last couple minutes. So I'm going to let you kick us off with a segment that we haven't done before. I'll let you actually go ahead and. Yeah. So with with this next segment, we're going to do manager of the month. So practically within this this next segment, we're going to do a manager who's done the best job of kind of managing their roster and positioning themselves for the rest of the season, kind of over the past month. Um, I chose myself here and it's, it's hard for me to not choose myself in this position. Uh, Kind of looking back throughout the past, like, three to four weeks, realistically. Um, You know, I I think my rise kind of began about three weeks ago with the trade that I made. But realistically, um, Nate pointed this out earlier. I've been averaging 
three nine points over the past three games that I've played. I've been beating my opponents by an average of 30 points a game. Um, and, you know, and I did all that. And I think the main reason for me kind of turning that around, I did, I had a good team at the beginning of the year and I got unlucky with some buys, but I knew for me to be able to contend with kind of those top four, I needed to make some moves. And I traded away uh, Russell Wilson, CeeDee Lamb, Tyler Lockett, Leonard Fournette, Corey Davis, Jamal Williams, Todd Gurley, Marvin Jones Jr., Keenan Allen, and Le'Veon Bell. That's like practically my entire team that I drafted. Um, and I picked up Aaron Jones, Ryan Tannehill, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Tyreek Hill, Josh Jacobs, and Marquise Brown. Um, I think the, kind of the, there's four main people on both sides there that you kind of pinpoint. And for me, it was Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, Todd Gurley, and Keenan Allen, kind of moving them from my team and picking up Aaron Jones, Ryan Tannehill, Tyreek Hill, Josh Jacobs. I think the two two positions that really benefit me and kind of put me ahead with kind of those moves were adding Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks. Cooper Cup being the 24th overall wide receiver coming off of a bye. Um, and then Brandon Cooks, who had a, a really good first half this past week, not so much second half, but did enough in the, the beginning of the game to kind of solidify that for me. Um, you know, on the other side of that 3-0 that I've been for the past month, I was 0-3 previously to that in the prior, prior three weeks. Um, so a huge shift and a huge turnaround right before I turned it around. My final game on that 0-3 stretch, I had lost 100 to 193 and then made some trades and the following week put up almost 180 points. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't want to sound cocky here, but I'm, I'm pretty excited with how I've managed my team over this past month and put myself in a position to solidify a spot in the playoffs and make my team one of the top four teams in the league right now. What do you got? Eddie, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> you know, you know why I'm disappointed in you? Why? Because I agree with you. <laughs> However, the boss isn't supposed to give himself the bonus. Hey, it's <laughs> I, it's hard to ignore. So I, I chose Eddie as well. And we didn't consult, obviously, before this because I thought the unspoken rule is don't choose yourself. But never if if there is anything to defend Eddie for choosing himself, it's that I can confirm that somebody else in the room might think that he's the manager of the month because I chose him, you know, not knowing who he was going to choose. In my reasoning, you kind of stole a lot of my thunder and you probably know it even better than I do, like the back of your hand, because it's your team, your moves, yep. your grind. Um, but, you know, you were sitting at two and four just three weeks ago and knew you had to get into the thick of things and start moving pieces around on your roster. And you moved a lot of big names hold a lot of big names and now you're you find yourself on a three-game win streak and in my opinion you know the reason why ultimately I chose you for this manager of the month is because I would have considered you in the bottom four to five teams a month ago now I see you firmly positioning yourself or having positioned yourself as one of the top four teams in the league in terms of true talent on your roster so you know i Again, I thought you were going to pick somebody else and that I wasn't going to get my thunder stolen from me, but you've done a great job. So if if nothing else, people that are listening to this, if you can't take away anything else uh, f 
from the fact that Eddie chose himself at least give a round of applause and and see the the kind of job that he's done turning his team around like I said from a one and four was it one and four that you were at I was at two and four but I was two coming off of three games law uh losing streak two and four and you know barely putting up a hundred points to having such a major turnaround that you're one of the scariest lineups every week uh there's nothing you can do but just give some props to that so yeah. and my honorable I, don't get me wrong you know I would have loved to have listened to you take apart my team and let me know what I'm doing right but if for me, you know, there there is an unspoken rule, but for me, it was just so hard. There were a couple other teams that have really turned it around and have made some moves to put themselves in a situation to to win and be one of the best in the league. Um, but again, I don't really want to brag about myself, but I think some of the moves that I've made compared to some of those teams coming from a two and four position to five and four compared to some of those other teams that were already had a winning record and kind of moved up from there. Um but yeah, that's that I'm on the same. I'm reasoning. on the same page yeah. with you there because I was thinking. I don't. I didn't want to pick Scott because we give enough acknowledgement to how mm-hmm. great, great of a job Scott is doing this year, pretty yeah. much every week. I didn't want to pick Nick for the same reason. He's been our number one seed for the better part of the entire season now. Yep. So it's very obvious that the job that he's doing as a manager. So I was kind of working with that middle range of four or five teams. I consider Jake as well, but he doesn't, and I guess I shouldn't have precluded him from being chosen by me for this segment, but he doesn't have a winning record yet. So I was basically just trying to narrow it down to just the right pick of somebody that's not obvious, you know, by the way that their team is performing week in and week out, like Scott and Nick, somebody that can't be chosen because of how their team has performed, like Kyron Keegan or Lucas just in that sweet spot of the middle, I was trying to, you know, use some criteria to narrow down my pick. Yeah. And Eddie, you're kind of what you're kind of what the algorithm spit out of doing the best job. Yeah. But did want to give a quick shout out to my honorable mention, which is JC. JC, the guy that we don't really talk about on this podcast because he's he's really hard to negotiate with. That, that's a universal truth of our league is that it's it's tough to get a deal done with JC, but the couple moves that he has made have been really good moves. And I kind of thought on each of these, you know, they're, they were even in the moment or maybe even in the, on the, the one trade with you, I kind of thought that you were favored in the moment that the trade was put through, but letting them marinate a little bit and seeing what these players that JC has brought into his roster have done. Can't help but think that JC has picked his spots really well, getting Christian Kirk for guys that didn't do anything you know, on Nick's team, yeah. it, you know, there's time for that to change, but he yeah. turned nothing this week into something for his lineup to beat Nick. He's got a wide receiver that I really, really like rest of season and Keenan Allen. And he still has, you know, Dalvin cook on his team. He still has the goat Tom Brady who had a bad game this past week, but I expect him to be a really good quarterback rest of season. He still has Noah Fant, who's a popular breakout pick, and I don't even think has shown his full potential yet this fantasy mm-hmm. season. So JC, you know, while picking his spots and bringing in some big players, didn't really have to dismantle his roster in the same way that you did in order to do that. He just yeah. kind of picked and chose every once in a while where he needed to add and subtract. He's done a really good job moving up to the again a top three seed with a chance to not only pass up to take the number two seed, but a, a shot 
really at a number one seed if with that schedule that he has remaining rest of season. So I definitely had to give a shout out to my boy, JC done a great job managing his team this past month. Yeah, I, I completely agree there. Um, and I think JC would have been my honorable mention. He would have been kind of like right behind me, honestly. Um, and again, like you just said, with some of the moves that he's made, he hasn't had to do it all year and he doesn't really trade so often, but when he's done it this year, it's worked out for him really well. Um, and I'm honestly, I'm happy that Keenan Allen is playing well for him because Keenan Allen's a player that I, that I really like. And it was kind of tough for me to let him go, but um, it was a move that kind of needed to be made and it, it helped both of us out realistically. So I'm happy for him. I agree. All right. Going into our next segment, we're going to do our around the league segment here. Uh, we're going to do our fantasy over under. So, so far record wise, I'm five and seven. Nate is six and six. Nick is still obviously two on one. He hasn't been on the podcast for a couple of weeks. And then we have Michael was our guest last week. He went one and two. So this week we have Devonte Adams over under 25, the Jags. What do you got? I can't pick against my boy. Um, especially when he's been so dominant for me personally, especially when he's facing a team as bad as the Jaguars, who I think only have one win on the year. So I got to go with the over 25 points, which is really not necessarily even super close to Devonte Adams average points per game, mm-hmm. which is 28.1. So I'm going to bet on Devonte Adams. I don't know necessarily that I would bet on 28, but I would bet on him getting close enough to his average that he does hit the over on 25. What about you? It's hard for me because he's been dominating for so long for the past, like, three, four weeks. And like you start thinking to yourself, you know, he's got to have a game where he goes down. He has to have not down as an injured, but like his overall performance, like he can't hold this up every week. And he's been proving me wrong every week. And this was a tough one for me. Um, I think the biggest thing that turns this around for me is, is the matchup against the Jags. If it was literally any other team in the league, I feel like I would have looked at this a little differently. It would have been like, okay, um, there's a chance. I just, I, I just don't think he doesn't hit the over this week. So I, I agree there. Next one I have is Joe Burrow, 15 over under against Pittsburgh's defense. What do you got? I'm also maybe to your surprise taking the over here. And the reason being is that I think Cincinnati has a legitimate offense, Joe Burrow being a big part of that. But I also think that Generally, as a Steelers fan, I noticed that the games between the Bengals and the Steelers are pretty close, no matter how good or bad the Bengals are. And the way that I see that transpiring this year with a revitalized Cincinnati offense is by the game kind of being a little bit of a shootout. Like I would expect, I don't know why this number keeps popping into my head, but I just have like a funny feeling that the Bengals are going to put up like 31 points on the Steelers. I surely hope not as an owner of the Pittsburgh defense and fantasy and as a Steeler fan, but I just have a gut feeling. So I'm going with the over 15 points for Joe Burrow versus Pittsburgh. I, I sure hope they put up 31 points. <laughs> um, for me, it, it's tough because any over under, I think I've done against Pittsburgh. I think they've held the under twice already from things that I've picked. Um, so it's kind of a toss up for me. I think this offense is going to rely heavily on its running backs. If their running backs can't get anything going, I don't think Joe Burrow hits the over here. Um, 
if their running backs kind of get a little bit going, you know, start spreading the field out a little bit more, running the ball, setting up the play action. I think Joe Burrow has a really good chance of getting over that 15, but 15 is it's kind of that sweet spot for me. Um, and I think as much as it pains me to say this, I'm, I, I'm good. I think I'm going to take the under on this. Um, Completely obviously, logical pick. Yeah. And I, I think obviously as a, as a Pittsburgh fan, you kind of see the, the the ins and outs of Bengals and Pittsburgh matchups on a yearly basis and kind of what it comes out to be. But I think for me, just numbers wise, I think it's it's very likely that Joe gets held under 15 this week. So I think I'm I might just be being superstitious saying the Bengals are going to have a great offensive game uh, yeah, versus yeah. us so that they actually have the opposite. The opposite. Yeah. It'd be it'd be great. <laughs> I'd love that. Yeah. And then my final pick here for over under is Justin Herbert, who's been having himself a great year this year. Um my over-under for him is 25 against Miami. And for me right here, I think I'm, I'm smashing the over on this. I think he's probably going to score somewhere close to 30 points for me. Uh, Miami's defense hasn't been amazing. Um, and I think Justin Herbert has a lot of weapons on that offense that he can use. So I'm going to roll the dice and go on the other side, take the under of 25 points. Herbert has gotten over 25 twice this year, and one of those two times was a monster performance against the Jaguars where he dropped 38.5 almost. Um, And then the other one, he dropped 27.3 against the Saints. But in any other game that he's played this year, he's failed to reach 25 points. Don't be mistaken, he's been awesome this year because he's pretty much reached at least 20 points in almost every single game that he's played. Yeah. But his sweet spot seems to be sitting in that 21 to 23 point range. I don't have a reason to expect different this week in terms of, I don't really have a reason to expect him to be even more awesome than he's been all year. I don't have a reason, like you mentioned against Miami's defense, that's not exactly spectacular for him to have a really bad game. So I'm going to kind of take, what, what looks to be his sweet spot sitting in that 21 to 23 point range and just take slight, slightly the under here. Yeah. And I, that's logical. I could see that realistically from a number standpoint, but yeah. All right. So getting through this episode pretty quick yes. next up or next segment is a weekly one that we hopefully has become a favorite. I love putting it together every week and that's why I keep putting it on the itinerary it is player A or player B, where I will give Eddie some stats for one player versus another without revealing who they are. He'll tell me who he would rather have in fantasy. So we have a pair of running backs for the first player A versus player B. And jumping right into it, player A has averaged 59 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown on 12 carries per game, while also catching eight passes for 71 yards on average, in each game. He's averaging, get ready for it, 26.5 fantasy points per game through nine weeks. I have now a feeling think, I know who that is. You're probably thinking, this is the obvious pick. Who could you possibly give me that's gonna, that, could be, that could compete with this? I, th- I mean, I'm going to say Alvin, but... Player B has averaged 123 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns on 21 carries per game while also catching two passes for 25 yards in each game. And he's averaging, get ready to be even more impressed, 28.7 
fantasy points per game through nine weeks. So a little bit of a tale of two different types of running backs here. Who would you rather have in fantasy based on the stats, player A or player B? I'm going to go A, and for the sole reason it is that I think I know who both running backs are. Tell me who they are. I want to say it's Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. That's correct. And yeah. why did you show your bias and pick your boy Alvin? I think he's just realistically, I think Dalvin Cook is coming off of, you know, a few weeks not playing and he's been absolutely murdering it for the past three weeks. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a point in there where he kind of has to settle down a little bit. I think Kamara's getting those numbers while being settled down already. Um, obviously, Alvin had the beginning of the year, he had a few games where he just absolutely snapped. But on a consistent basis, you know, being able to catch the ball out of the backfield and not being so reliant on the rushing yards aspect, I think that's what gives me – I'm always more of a receiving back than a rushing back kind of guy. I will always like – especially in a PPR league because um, Alvin is going to get receptions every week, and he's at least going to get you five points every week from receptions. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. As to where Dalvin, if that offensive line isn't moving for him, He's not really going to get those yards. Obviously, he has the athleticism himself to do it, but uh, it's really close. Yeah, yeah, and I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, in that Dalvin Cook's averages are likely boosted by the absolutely crazy games he's had over the past two weeks. I mean, he's still good, but but while Dalvin Cook is due to cool off from what he's done the last two weeks. I still think I would take him over Alvin Kamara. I think I would take Dalvin Cook over any running back right now. I think he's my wow. running back one for the rest of the season. I can't. I just can't agree with that. I just. I don't know if it's because Alvin's on my team. Or let not. me ask you. Let I me just, ask you this: If you weren't the one owning them, if or I should say, if you weren't the one that owned Alvin Kamara. And you were told both running backs would be traded. Which one would you expect to fetch the higher return in a trade? Would it still be the same answer, Alvin? I still think Alvin will catch the higher return on a trade. And I think that's solely because of the name. I think it'd be Dalvin Cook. I disagree with you, especially after recency bias is huge in trading. Oh, yeah. 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 I think Dalvin Cook, JC's not going to trade him, nor are you likely to trade Alvin Kamara. I think but at Dalvin this Cook point, it just doesn't would make sense. Catch a monster return if JC somehow decided to move him. I think JC shared with me the other day. Uh, Nick said he texted JC. He said, "I'll give you my whole team for Dalvin Cook," and JC responded, "Not enough." And that's the perfect <laughs> way to summarize Literally. what Dalvin Cook has been doing lately. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and I can't say that I don't really like agree with you. You know what I'm saying? I, it's it's a toss up. You're talking about the number one and the number two running back in the league. Yeah, right now. it's really close. Um, so I just, I don't know. Coming into the league, I knew that Alvin was my man. Like coming into the year, I knew that's who I was taking round one. And I figured he was going to drop to me where he was at. Personally, <clears throat> I've never really been a big Dalvin Cook fan. Um, he gets hurt. Yeah, and but he's been healthy just, for the most part this year. He has been healthy been for nice. the most part. You know, he missed two games, um, and he came back, and he's exploding right now. Um, 
but just on a consistency basis and on a weekly basis, I just feel like Alvin's going to do it on a weekly basis. Obviously, recency bias, like you said, on trades. Looking back at it, yeah, I think Dalvin Cook actually might yield a little bit more right now um, than Alvin Kamara. But I'll be really interested to see how these two in particular finish the year. Yeah, I agree. So let's get into our second pairing for this segment. So pair of quarterbacks. So quarterback A is averaging 299 passing yards with three passing touchdowns per game while also averaging 18 rushing yards on four carries per game on average. This player has a 25 to one touchdown to interception ratio this season and has averaged 26.4 fantasy points per game through nine weeks. Quarterback B is averaging 266 passing yards with two passing touchdowns in one interception per game while also averaging 68 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown on 10 carries per game. This player has a 16 to 7 touchdown to interception ratio this season and has averaged 29.2 fantasy points per game through nine weeks. Kind of a tale of two different players here again. Which quarterback would you rather have? Player A or player B? Taking Mahomes. Which is? Was that A? That is A. Yeah. And who did you take him over? I think Lamar. I'm not no. sure if Lamar's averaging that high or not. It's either not him or Josh close. or Josh Allen. Josh Allen's been doing pretty well. Kyler Murray, who's quarterback Ooh, two on the year. That's a good one. So I Patrick mean, Mahomes, QB one. Kyler Murray, QB two on yeah. the year. I'd take realistically Mahomes. I mean, once you put the names out there, it's a lot easier. But even statistically speaking, I think the interception to touchdown ratio is, I think, what does it for me. Just yeah. alone. A 25 to one. That's insane. So I think I would also take Mahomes. Yeah. But if no. you told me that if you put a gun to my head and I was the Mahomes owner and you said you have to trade him for Kyler Murray straight up, I wouldn't be that upset about it. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, it, it's not something that I'd regret for the rest of my life considering that Kyler Murray has been snapping this year. He hasn't dropped, he hasn't had a game under what, 20 points? Yeah. He hasn't had a game under 20 points this year. So and he is averaging 25. Three points. No, not three more, but almost three more points per game more than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He's just already had his buy compared to Pat Mahomes, yeah. who's on by this week. Who's on by this week? So I'm, um, I was, I would assume Kyler Murray will, you know, overtake QB one again. But mm-hmm. I shared with Nick at the very beginning of the season, before the draft even happened, that if I was in a position to choose any quarterback that I wanted, you know, with you first before anybody else could draft them. Of course, the talk back then was, who do you take, Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Yeah. I told him I'm going to take Mahomes all, you know, all day because. I know that I can expect consistent production from Mahomes, whereas Lamar, for as amazing as he was last year, you just don't know how volatile a rushing quarterback yeah. is going to be. So Mahomes just has proven for two years now, three years actually, that his production is insane. No matter whether he's getting the shine as like a fantasy MVP at quarterback or not, yeah. he's always up there in like the top three or four quarterbacks. And I think the biggest thing here also – Kyler Murray, and I'm I'm going to say this, he's more accurate, I think, than Lamar. 
with the ball when he's throwing yeah, the ball. Yeah, yeah, I um, agree. I thought you were going to say then Mahomes. I was no, 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 I no, no, kind no, no, of no, no, widened no. my eyes there. <laughs> Not even close. I don't think anyone in the league is more accurate than Mahomes. But I think he's he's a better he's your better prototype quarterback, I guess, if you want to think about it in that aspect. Obviously, he can still run the ball very well, um, and he's proven it this year. But when you solely look at his ability to be able to – it, it kind of compares to a Mike Vick. Mike Vick can sling the ball. He can throw the ball really well. Not the most accurate quarterback, but he can do real well, and he can also run the ball really well. Um, I think Kyler Murray is kind of a combination of Lamar and 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 Vick in a way, um, just with a little bit of a better arm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think Kyler Murray's insane. I mean, he's been putting up a combined – about an average of what 300 yards a game combined with rushing and passing, you know, half the time he's doing more than that. So it's impressive. He's had two games where he's had over 400 yards total actually. Yeah. Two games and a third game. That's very close to a total of 400 yards. Yeah. And I know we, we typically do. We, we try to make really intriguing comparisons on this segment, you know, try to get you guys to think about, this player is undervalued versus a player that has a lot of value, or maybe one player is overvalued and he actually should be valued in the same range as the player that's lower. But this week, I, I just kind of wanted to have fun and give a nod to the greatness of the top two running backs, Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook, as well as the top two quarterbacks, Pat Mahomes and Kyler Murray, because they've yeah. just been amazing this year. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have some fun and just kind of put a spotlight on how awesome they've been for fantasy this year. Yeah, it's insane. I'm looking at the numbers really quick for Mahomes for the year, and I'm literally just mind blown. Yeah, when I saw that he had 25 passing touchdowns to one interception, I was like, I feel like that's going to give it away as soon as I read it. Yeah, and when you said that, I was literally the other day, I was looking at it, and I had done a little bit of research, and it popped up on ESPN also that is his 20. At the time, it wasn't 25. It was 21 to one Mm -hmm. ratio, but still, like, come on. Crazy. Yeah. Getting into our second to last segment of the episode, transaction of the week. This is a short little one, which we will give you our, I should really just call it ad of the week because I guess, I guess you could probably put a trade in here, but now that we do a trade of the week segment, it's maybe a little bit pointless to put that in here. My transaction of the week was Nick claiming Zach Ertz and dropping Danny Amendola. So, Keep it brief. Not only was I surprised that everyone let Ertz fall down to Nick's claim. And I actually, so I didn't know if, I don't know if you or anybody else knows that this is a feature on the website, not on the app, but on the website. If you go over to recent activity, or maybe it's league home, basically somewhere where, yeah, yeah, you go to the league home page on ESPN's website. In the, in the recent activity box on the top right, there's this thing called waiver report. And you can filter through by, by date where it'll, it'll basically give you a report any time, any day that waivers were ran and a claim was made. It'll give you a report on who put in a claim or every single player that was claimed. So where I'm going with this is that I was surprised that Zach Kurtz fell down to Nick's claim because I think he was like five or six or seven. And I was lower than him because I also put in a claim on Ertz. What I was even more shocked by was when I f- saw this waiver report, not a single team put in a claim for Zach Ertz outside of Nick and myself. 
So I was really surprised by that. But getting back to why I picked it for transaction of the week, he was able to claim Ertz while already having Dallas Goddard. And then he was able to use Zach Ertz in a trade to make a move for a pretty decent flex player in Jarvis Landry. That's why I chose it as transaction of the week. But I did want to include that interesting note that Nick and I were the only guys that put in a claim for Zach Ertz. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit there. I kind of had that as my my transaction of the week. Um, I did have an honorable mention, and it's actually a trade, and it's something that we mentioned earlier in the uh, in the podcast, and it was that trade with Nick and JC. Um, I think that transaction alone for JC was a great transaction, um, just on kind of what his return was from what he gave up. So, Sure. That'll take us into our last segment of the episode, which is our news and notes. So, big news this week. Christian McCaffrey may miss more time with a shoulder injury that he suffered late in his Week 9 game against Kansas City. I think it was actually like the second-to-last play of their offensive snaps mm-hmm. on the Carolina side of the ball. So if he's out, number one, is Mike Davis a running back one again? And two, if he's out, should Jake try to trade him? Again, he's sitting at a four and five record. What do you think? I think, yes, Mike Davis is RB1 again. Um, I don't really think they have anybody else in the backfield that's going to gonna take that spot. And Mike Davis is kind of marked his territory so to say in that backfield and kind of you know out of uh, out of the numbers that he's given you so far you know kind of like a decent projection of what you're going to get out of Mike Davis in that backfield um should he trade him I think he should is he going to I don't think so um you know I tried a few weeks a couple weeks back um and you know he said I've held on for Tim for for this long He's like, I'm not going to let him go. So, I mean, if someone gives him an offer that he can't deny, then I think he will trade him. But I'm not sure if he's in the uh, the mindset right now, whether he wants to trade him or not, depending on kind of what this matchup for him looks like this week. So I haven't really looked at it too much. but Yeah, if I were in his shoes, it'd be a really tough call because I bet you could pull something pretty good for Christian McCaffrey even while he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he does make it to playoffs – there's a not, big piece. There's not like if Christian McCaffrey is healthy, I think I still want him more than any other one single player in fantasy. Um, certainly Jake is not going to get somebody in the same conversation in terms of value talking about guys like Alvin Kamara. At least I don't think Alvin Cook, Devontae Adams. I don't think he would get really any of those three that are or. Tr- Travis Kelsey's on his team, you know, on Jake's team already. Yeah, so yeah. he already has a game changer in terms of that position. But I don't think that Jake would pull any of those three players for Christian McCaffrey because of his health status right now. So based on what's available for Jake to target in a potential CMC deal, um, there's no other player that I would want more if I were Jake, assuming he would get a playoff spot on my roster than Christian McCaffrey. So that's a really tough call for him to make. Yeah. Cause he's not certain that he's going to get a playoff spot, but if he does, you obviously want Christian McCaffrey in your lineup. Cause he can do a, a lot mm-hmm. of damage putting up close to 30 points on average. And then the, the second news and notes, uh, if I didn't give enough shine already, I have to give one last shout out to Dalvin cook who has 
478 scrimmage yards and six touchdowns over his past two games. Almost 500 yards and six touchdowns over his past two games as a running back. So, Eddie, I have I ask you, is he the number one pick in fantasy football next year? I'm going to say no. He's close to it. Uh, I just I don't I don't see it happening um, unless he keeps his performance up for the rest of the year. I think there's a very clear RB one going into next year. Um, and actually, I wouldn't say very clear. There's a conversation to be had between RB one. And I think there's two people, even Christian McCaffrey coming back from injury. Yes, he he's likely to be taken at number one or you have. Camara, I don't think Camara gets the respect that he deserves realistically. I expected him to be taken a little sooner this year. I had the sixth pick and I was able to pick him up at six. Obviously, being in a quarterback, two quarterback league, it kind of throws off the beginning of that right there. But um, I don't know. I, will he be a top three? Quite possibly. You know, I think the top three running backs that could take it next year could be Alvin, McCaffrey, and Dalvin Cook there's a really good chance the top three picks are running backs next year off the rip. Um, and then obviously you have Saquon Barkley coming back from injury. You know, it's a big question mark. I think most people will still take him in the first round because it's Saquon Barkley, but I think you might be taking a little bit of a risk depending on how he comes back from injury. If he has an Adrian Peterson type of year coming off of an ACL, having a great year, then obviously that's a great pick, but it's still unknown right now. So to me, not a number one overall pick. The way I see it right now is I can't say he would for sure be my number one overall pick, but it would certainly be between him and, as you said, Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. And, again, if you told me I was number one on the clock and that two of Alvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, and Alvin Kamara were going to get left behind based on who I selected, I wouldn't be upset no matter which of the three you put on my team. That's how close it is Yeah, between those three right now. So I won't say that he is the number one pick, but I think a strong argument could be made that he goes 1.1 as of right now. You know, if we were drafting for next year right now, I would say that there's a very strong argument and that it pretty much holds, for me, equal weight to Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, uh, I kind of threw this in at the end here because on the flip side of what Dalvin Cook and, you know, what a healthy Christian McCaffrey do for the running back position. I think we're seeing this guy do it for his own his own position, which is wide receiver. And I'm talking about Devontae Adams. So my question to you is, what, you know, if, if you could choose the spot that you drafted Devontae Adams next year, how early would you take him in next year's draft? Um keeping in mind that you're only getting one pick every 12 picks. So if you take him in the top 12, that means you're not getting, you know, a running back until at least the second 12 yeah. picks. I think so I'd, factoring I, all of that I think I would reach season. I think I would reach second round for him. I mean realistically it's not a reach because the numbers he's been putting up is is enough to get him taken in the second round. I don't think I'd take him in a first round. I think consistently, I think you can expect those numbers from a running back on a week to week basis more consistently than a wide receiver. Um, 
And, and again, I think it depends on where you land in the first round. If you're towards the tail end of the first round, I think you take your shot at taking them right there. Because again, with the snake draft that we'd have, you have another chance at the beginning of the next round to pick up your running back that you want if there's mm-hmm. no running back that you really want. So I think it all it really depends on whether you're the last two to three picks in the first round and the first two to three in the next round. Because if you're within the first five picks of the draft, there's no shot you take Devontae Adams. I'd, at least in my book, I'd, I agree. I think I, I can agree. see I can see it at the at the five, six, seven spot, maybe depending on what running backs are taken. But to me, it all just depends on kind of where you land in the draft. Uh, if you're the if you're the tenth, eleventh, or twelfth pick, go ahead and take Devontae Adams because there's obviously no other running backs out there that you're really going to miss out within the next three picks after that, in my opinion. So yeah, and I you hit the nail on the head. I wouldn't. I don't, unless there was some crazy exception, which I don't even think, I think this is a pretty crazy exception with the way that Devontae Adams is playing this year. And even, even with the way he's playing, I don't think I would ever take a wide receiver in the top five where I would start to seriously consider using my one and only first round pick on Devontae Adams at this point, based on what he's done this year, it's probably around seven. Yeah. Get a little bit more comfortable with it at eight. Start thinking this is a really good pick at nine. Start thinking it's probably a steal if you get him in one of the last like two picks of the yeah, first round. I agree. Because I think in the beginning of those rounds, you know, it's going to be running back and quarterback heavy. I think Mahomes is going to get taken within the first. There's a chance Mahomes gets taken number one next year. I'm going to be honest. I mean, with the way he's playing this year, if he plays again like this for the rest of the year, I think there's a chance somebody will reach for Mahomes early. early there's a early. chance, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, he's gone three the first five, each of the last two years. Yeah, and I think overall. the first five picks are easily Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, um, Christian McCaffrey. Saquon might sneak in there. I think Maybe. realistically Saquon will probably be six or seven um, because of the running backs that will be taken ahead of him. So Eric Henry's up there. Derek Aaron Jones is up there. So, like, mm. you have your pick. Um, what it's kind of like – would I take Devontae like, Adams over any of those running backs personally? No. Yeah, probably not. Okay. I would I would put him probably right around the same spot as I would put Saquon, but I would probably yeah. give the edge to Saquon. Yeah. And that's mainly just because he's coming off of an injury. Saquon was healthy, obviously not. But with an injury, yes. I think Derrick Henry has big game potential, but he also has bust potential. Um right now. We've already talked about the consensus top three being Cook, Kamara, and McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. For me, I think I would put Derek Henry in there at like the number four spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you got it right saying that Zeke would be like six or seven. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say six. Yeah. Um, and I think Devontae Adams probably deserves this lot right in behind him at seven. I don't necessarily this is probably a it's probably bad logic. I don't really have a number five right now. Uh, but I think I would take the field at somebody rising to that number five overall value over Devontae Adams jumping Saquon and entering the yeah. top five. Cause I don't think I would take a wide receiver top five. I don't Goodness. think I would take a quarterback top five either, but I certainly would say that Pat Mahomes has the value to be the that value number to five be a top rank. five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's how it would shake out for me personally. Yeah. If there's any quarterback in the league that I'd consider taking top five is Patrick Mahomes. And right. I mean, that's just, it's kind of a no brainer to think why you would take him top five. Um, and again, being, I think next year you're in a really tough spot 
when you're towards the end of the draft, like at six, seven, eight, I mm-hmm. think that spot right there. I, I mean, it was a tough spot this year. Realistically, I got lucky that Alvin Kamara dropped all the way to me at six. Um, you know, whoever's at six next year, I don't know if they'll be in such a good spot to draft a running back um, at six, seven, and eight. You know, there are running backs that I think will drop there. You know, I think you'll have Saquon drop. I think you'll have the chance of Derrick Henry dropping right sure. there, depending on what quarterbacks get taken early, if any, kind of in that situation. I think Aaron Jones will probably be taken before the end of the first round, probably around like nine. Um, Sounds accurate. So I don't know. It'll be it'll be really interesting the draft next year, just because a lot of players this year have skyrocketed and really have performed, um, and a lot of players have devalued themselves and have kind of plummeted a little bit. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Go ahead and take us out for this week. Yeah. So thank you everyone for tuning in to episode five. Uh, we really appreciate it, and I really hope you guys have a great day. Thank you. Yeah.